0: Section thirty-three of Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Life Insurance Companies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Life Insurance Companies an Authentic Record of Remarkable Cases by John B. Lewis and Charles C. Bombau. Homicide Part 10 THE goss Utterzook TRAGEDY, PART 9 DAVID R. MULLEN I reside in Cooperstown, Delaware County, two miles south of Brynmore Station. I am acquainted with the prisoner at the bar. The first I knew of him was when he was seven or eight years old, when he came to live with me and remained with me until he was sixteen. His mother then came for him and took him away to learn the blacksmith trade. After he had learned his trade, and when he was upwards of twenty-one years of age, he came back and lived in my neighborhood for a year or more. It was twelve or thirteen years ago when he came back to my neighborhood. I am acquainted with his handwriting, and have seen him write. He boarded with me while he was learning to write at a writing school, which was after he had learned his trade. It was some two or three weeks, and was twelve or thirteen years ago. In the winter of 1871, I received two letters from him, to which I replied by one letter intended to answer both of his. I never saw him afterwards until I saw him here in the courtroom. Two letters were submitted to witness. I received these letters through the post office at West Haverford. I recognized the handwriting as William E. Utterzook's. The letters offered in evidence and read to the jury are as follows. Baltimore, October 28, 1871. Mr. Mullen, Dear Sir, I take pleasure in informing you that we are all well and hope these few lines may find you all enjoying the same favor. It has been nearly one year since I seen or heard from you. I thought it my duty to inform you that I still exist. I have constant employment, on cutters, in a factory, where over a hundred men are employed. I should have written this letter sooner, but I am rather careless about writing. I suppose I have been prompted to this by a very particular friend of mine. He is a man of fine appearance, and about my age, and very well to do. But the large circle of acquaintances he is obliged to mingle with has been a great source of annoyance. It is his intention to leave the city for a few months in order to wean himself from so much company. I recommended Cooperstown as a quiet little place and just what would suit him. Now, if it would suit you folks to receive him as a boarder, please write soon and name the particulars. He will not want to leave Baltimore for a few weeks. Can we look for you down this fall? We would be pleased to see you in Baltimore." I spent a few days in Jennerville last June. Mother was well at that time, but since that time she was very near being killed by the cow that she was milking, all on account of a dog coming to her while she was milking. I would like to write much longer, but owing to the lateness of the hour I will close. Please answer very soon. Very respectfully yours, William E. Utterzook, No. 167 Conway Street, Baltimore, Maryland. Baltimore, November 16, 1871. Mr. and Mrs. Mullen. I wrote a few lines to you some time since, but I have not received an answer. I come to the conclusion that you did not receive it. I therefore take pleasure in writing again. I do not know that I have anything of much importance to communicate at present. The state and city elections are over, and I suppose you have heard the returns." The Republican ticket has been defeated very generally in this state. I was nominated by the Reform Party and endorsed by the Republican Nominating Convention. After the convention adjourned, a committee called on me and informed me of my nomination. This committee consisted of the President, Vice President, and Secretary of the Ward, also 15 Custom House officers, besides a number from the Post Office and the Naval Department, also a large number of citizens. Several speeches were made to which I responded. The next evening a mass meeting was held. I, being present, was conducted to the stand by the sergeant-at-arms by a request of the president amid loud and continued applause. I addressed the meeting at considerable length. I was not elected by some considerable, but run ahead of the ticket, thirty-one votes in my ward, My district consisted of six wards. I was five votes short of carrying the ward, which was closer than had been for some years. Too many Roman Catholics. The Democrat ticket in my district stood eleven Catholics, two Protestant, and all were elected. I wrote you in my last in regard to a friend of mine that desired to wean himself from a number of his former associates. He has been in the way of getting a little intoxicated— I thought you might reform him. Would it suit you to board him a few months or less? Please answer as soon as possible. My wife and two little ones are well. I have study employment, making cutters for a large factory where over one hundred men are employed. Joseph Thomas and Son, Corner of Park and Clay Streets. Give my respects to inquiring friends. Very respectfully yours, William E. Utterzook, Number 167 Conway Street, Baltimore, Maryland. Witness continued. After I received the second letter, I wrote in answer, informing him that I did not think it prudent for me to take a boarder at that time. Some time after that, on the 22nd day of June, 1872, a man came to my house to board, and stated to me that his name was Wilson. A few days afterwards he arranged a Mexican vine on my porch, so that as the vine grew it spelled his full name, Alexander Campbell Wilson. He had no occupation. He came in the afternoon of the 22nd of June, and remained until the 16th of the following November. He was a man of about five feet eight or nine inches, heavy, square build, very full in the breast. His hair was black, and his face cleanly shaved at the time he came. He let his side whiskers and mustache grow after he came. The photographic picture of Goss and Langley was shown to witness. Question. Do you recognize either of these in the picture? Answer. Yes, sir, I recognize the one standing as Mr. Wilson's picture. When Wilson came to my house, he came on foot and brought nothing with him. He went to Philadelphia and came back Sunday morning, bringing with him a valise. Wilson had a habit of drinking to excess, for which reason I declined to board him any longer. After he left my place, I received a letter from Newark, New Jersey, purporting to come from him. There was a portion of his board bill unpaid when he left my house. I did not afterwards receive any pay other than a watch, which he sent me by Mr. M. V. Olry. George Crook. I have known Winfield S. Goss since 1868. On my first acquaintance with him, I found him to be an intemperate man. The defense objects to evidence of W. S. Goss's habits of intemperance. The Commonwealth asks to show this habit with the view of identification. The objection is overruled and exception noted. He was a good-looking man, about forty years of age, would weigh one hundred and seventy-five or one hundred and eighty pounds. He was about five feet eight or nine inches in height, broad chest, dark brown hair, had a peculiar active walk, and usually dressed neatly. Mrs. Sarah R. Mullen. I am wife of David R. Mullen, whom has been examined. A man by the name of A. C. Wilson came to our house on the 21st of June, 1872, and then went away on the 22nd, and came back on the 23rd. When he came the second time, he brought a leather valise. He was a stout-built man, about five feet eight or nine inches, very full chest, his shoulders thrown back, rather dark hair and good teeth. He did nothing. IN THE FALL HE MADE A LITTLE HOUSE OF ACORNS FOR A FAIR. WITNESS WAS SHOWN THE PICTURE OF GOSSEN LANGLEY. THE ONE IN THE PICTURE WHO IS STANDING IS VERY MUCH LIKE MR. WILSON. MR. V. OLRAY. I FORMERLY LIVED AT THE HOUSE OF DAVID R. MULLEN IN COOPERSTOWN. I KNEW A. C. WILSON DURING THE TIME HE WAS AT MR. MULLEN'S. I SAW HIM ALMOST EVERY DAY DURING THAT TIME. He was a genteel-looking man about thirty-eight years old, broad shoulders and chest, shoulders thrown well back, dark brown hair inclined to curl and turning gray, small hands and feet and very large hips. My business called me to Philadelphia daily. At the request of Mr. Wilson, I called at the Central Hotel, Philadelphia, for a black silk hat which he had left there. At his request, I directed and sent small paper parcels, which usually weighed three or four ounces, and were sealed with wax. I gave the parcels to Adams Express Company, at their office in Philadelphia. One of these packages was sent about the 7th of August, 1872, another about the 15th of September, and another about the 24th of September. The address which I wrote by his directions upon the parcels was, A.C. Goss, Calvert Street, Baltimore, Maryland, care of Stevens & Co. At his request I went to Bryn Mawr Post Office and inquired for his letters, and on several occasions obtained letters to his address, which I delivered to him. They were all postmarked Baltimore. There was a cabinet furniture card printed on the envelope purporting to be the trademark of Stevens & Co., Wilson and I conversed about people in Baltimore as mutual acquaintances. He showed me the wooden model of a ratchet screwdriver, which he claimed to be an invention of his own. It was so constructed that a person using it could retain the same hold upon the handle and turn the screwdriver. The picture of Goss and Langley shown to witness. I recognize in this picture the one standing as Wilson's picture. Cross-examined. I never saw a man look at all like that picture except Wilson, nor bear any resemblance to him. It is by the general make-up of the man that I identify him in this picture. Abraham Good. I reside in Cooperstown. I am a carpenter by trade. I knew A.C. Wilson during the time he lived at Mr. Mullins. I saw him three or four times every week the picture of Goss and Langley shown to witness. I recognize the one standing as A.C. Wilson. Wilson borrowed four and a half dollars in money from me. A short time afterwards, he came to me and offered me a finger ring as a pledge for payment. I took the ring and kept it about one month. I then sent the ring to him, to his address at that time, in Newark, New Jersey. I sent him at the same time the screwdriver model. The ring had a large stone setting. The ring, before introduced in evidence, was handed to witness. This looks like the ring. I sent it to him in a package by express about the first of January. I sent it at his request. While I had the ring in my possession, I did not wear it, but put it away. I never examined it particularly. The screwdriver model was a double ratchet made in three pieces. The driver part had a stem to it that ran through the other two pieces, so that one could move the driver without the handle turning in one's hand. I never saw one like it. It was peculiar. Newton Marshall I reside at Bryn Mawr Station. I am ticket agent of the Pennsylvania Railroad Company and agent of Adams Express Company. I have received packages through my office directed to A.C. Wilson and delivered them to him for which he receipted receipt book of company handed to witness the first package was received on october 16 1872 it was a paper package probably 18 inches long by 12 wide and 3 or 4 thick it would weigh about 8 pounds it felt soft like clothing it came from baltimore by the way of philadelphia as appears by the waybill which is in this book The next package came November 23, 1872, and was delivered to A. C. Wilson. It was a money package and said to contain $40. He receipted for it in this book. It came from Baltimore by way of Philadelphia. I saw Wilson frequently in October and November 1872. I suppose I saw him nearly every day for a month. I became familiar with his appearance in a business way by his calling at my office. Picture of Goss and Langley shown to witness. The man standing in this picture is the man I delivered the packages to. David Bachrock I reside in Baltimore. I am a photographer. Picture of Goss and Langley shown to witness. I have the negative those pictures were taken from in my possession. Witness produces and exhibits negative. It is a picture of Winfield S. Goss and Mr. Langley. I had known Mr. Goss a few months before making that negative. This print, examining photographic card heretofore introduced in evidence, representing one man standing and the other sitting, was made about a year ago from this negative. At the time it was taken, I did not notice anything on the finger of Mr. Goss the photograph shows he has a ring there. Annie E. Mullen. I reside in Cooperstown, in the family of David R. Mullen. I knew A.C. Wilson while he lived in our family. He was a nice-looking gentleman. He had quite dark hair, a little curly. The photograph introduced an evidence shown to witness. The one standing is the picture of the gentleman who boarded at our house. The seal ring heretofore introduced in evidence, handed to witness. That looks like the ring I saw him wear. Horatio C. Litzenberg. I reside in Athensville, about a mile and a quarter from Cooperstown. I keep a hotel there. I knew A. C. Wilson. He came to my place to obtain board and remained about a week. He drank occasionally. I saw him intoxicated twice. Witness identified a due bill from A.C. Wilson to H.C. Linsenberg, dated November 23, 1872. I wrote the paper, and he returned it to me signed. I did not see him write his name. Thomas R. Haley. I reside in Athensville and assist Mr. Litzenberg in his business. I knew a man who represented himself to be A.C. Wilson he came to obtain board and remained about a week he came on the 16th of november 1872 and went away on the 23rd of same month he was intoxicated several times while there i refused him liquor at the bar several times end of section 33